0: Welcome back, Stu. Thank you, Glenn. I'm glad to be here.
1: Are you? No. Really? I am not.
0: Yeah, I didn't mm. think
1: so. I didn't. I was I didn't. lying. Thank right. you for it. Yeah. I wish you Where didn't Where were you? Out. Where did you go? What did you do? Uh,
0: the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex.
1: What? Wow. I visited. Yeah, it was beautiful. I hear it this is exotic. Oh, it was
0: 147 degrees. Oh, yeah. Oh, beautiful. So did you just
1: mm-hmm. lay out in the sun <laughs> and just bake?
0: Oh, I sure did. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. No, I was basically, yeah. Yeah, mainly around here. We had some uh, stuff going on, uh, work on the house and such, so... Oh, uh, nothing yeah. better. Yeah. Oh, nothing that's better. it's called a vacation, Glenn. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got the cruise yeah. coming up uh, next next spring. Yeah. Sure, yeah. you could do that. Yeah. But what about staying at home in 147 degree heat while just, work's going on at the house?
1: Yeah, that's great. What if you could like fix the roof? Oh, yeah. That, you know, we, what? last last summer we had somebody fix our roof, and it was in in the middle of summer, and I'm looking at those guys. I just, can I just hose you guys down up there? Can I constantly run? (laughs) No, the water's too hot. I mean, it's crazy. All right, back in a second. Great show coming up. Man was assaulted outside a Portland bar for wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Two people have been arrested. Court orders Idaho to pay for a sex offender's trans surgery. Thank you. The governor of uh, Idaho said, no, nah, I don't think so. No, I'm not going to do it. A uh, ton of email on my comments about 5G. Oh, and Silicon Valley is building a Chinese-style social credit system for us. <laughs> oh, this is great. We start there in one minute. This
2: is the Glenn Program.
1: Somewhere... In America, within the sound of my voice, there's a man with a whistle around his neck. He's aching to hear its shrill call one more time. He walks the sidelines of a dew-covered gridiron, his Takovas boots making a fine, firm noise. Time was, he took these boys to state almost every year, and every time it was almost as satisfying as if he had managed to go himself back into the old days. Those boys stood for something immortal in their game, just as these Takovas' boots stand for something immortal in him. They're not just part of his life. They're part of his frontier. They're part of the game. You know, Takovas' boots kind of root you. They, they speak of real character. They're made from the most exotic leathers available. They're handcrafted by world-class boot makers. It takes 200 steps to make a pair of Tecovis boots, and yet their boots cost about half of what a similar boot will cost you elsewhere. You should check out not only their selection of boots, but all the other fine leather and clothing products that they make. You can find your pair at tecoviscom slash beck. That's tecova dot com slash beck. Tecovas Western Wear. For your frontier. Okay, for anybody who hasn't been paying attention, I want to explain the Chinese social credit system. Since 2014 in China, the social credit system um, is... It has been implemented and is evolving into a single nationwide point system for all Chinese citizens. And it is akin to a financial credit score. It follows you everywhere. There is no place to hide from the cameras. It is evolved now into you have to have a certain app on your phone and they monitor you, you uh, every day you take a um, you take this app you open it up and you have to kind of take a test about what the great leader is doing today and he you know it gives you all the news of what the great leader is doing and what the communists are doing that is so good for you then you have to take a test if you don't open that app every day your social credit goes down if you're not taking that test your social credit goes down they track you and feed you everything that they want to feed you, and you must consume it. If you jaywalk across the street, your social credit goes down. If you, are, if you speak ill about the country, your social credit goes down. If you are talking to someone who has a low social credit score, your social credit goes down. It is, uh, It is horrible what is happening in China. It is becoming a true police state. Orwellian, 1984. And it aims to punish for any kind of transgression that can include membership in or support for the Falun Gong or or Tibetan Buddhism. If you haven't paid your debt, if you have uh, excessive video gaming, criticizing the government, late payments, failing to sweep the sidewalk in front of your store or house, smoking or playing loud music on trains, jaywalking, anything that is unacceptable by the Chinese government. It also awards points for charitable donations, even taking one's own parents to the doctor. And the punishments are harsh. There are bans on leaving the country, bans on using public transportation. So in other words, uh, sorry, all of a sudden you get to the bus and your phone says, offender, not enough social credit. You have to walk. You're not taking a bus. You can't check into certain hotels. You will I- immediately not be hired for any high visibility job. If you have spoken out against the government, you have posted something that shouldn't have been posted, your children will be pulled out of the private school and may not even make it into a public school. It can result in slower internet connections and also uh, a social stigmatization um, because you are... You are now registered on a public social blacklist. Your, your face actually goes up on billboards, electronic billboards, in your neighborhood. And anyone who interacts with you, their social credit goes down. They brag that they can keep people locked in their house just because they won't, they won't be able to go anywhere. It is authoritarianism gamified. Now, I've told you for a while, if Google and Silicon Valley is helping them do these things, what makes you think that they won't do the same here? Well, they are. There are now 40 or so pilot projects operated by local governments, at least six, run by tech giants. Now, Beijing is is doing this. China is doing this. They have two nationwide lists, one called the black list. The other one is the red list. That's kind of like a a white list here. Uh, The Chinese government shares its list with all technology platforms. Um, They uh, they give you every month a social credit and that social credit uh, is determines the rest of your life. Now, some Chinese people are unaware that this even exists at this point because they haven't gotten it all to the entire country, but their goal is China 2020 to have the entire country on this. Surveys done by the government show that 80% of the Chinese citizens that are surveyed strongly approve of the social credit system. Of course they do. You're tracking them. Now, if you are disturbed by any of this, let me tell you what's going on now. In America, the New York State Department of Financial Services announced earlier this year that life insurance companies can base premiums on what they find in your social media posts. If you have an Instagram picture showing you teasing a grizzly bear at Yellowstone with a martini in a hand and a bucket of cheese fries in the other, you're going to pay a higher rate. However, if you are doing yoga, you're going to pay a lower rate. Anything that shows you're healthy and wise, you're going to get a lower rate. Anything that shows you that you are doing anything at all dangerous, you're going to get a higher rate. Now, that seems kind of reasonable. It's like, well, you know, I have, I have insurance uh, on me. I can't go to a war zone. I can't fly a plane. Uh, I can't go cliff, you know, climbing. All the stuff I'm never going to do. I'm fine with it. They were like, you can't do these things anymore. And I'm like, does that include jumping out of a perfectly good airplane with a parachute? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, good. Check that one off my list. So you don't have a problem with it per se. Unless you do those things. If you are somebody that is into adventure sports, you better tell the truth or you're going to pay a very high penalty. Now, there's also something called a patron scan. So the insurance companies are kind of like, well, I think that's probably okay. If You say you don't smoke and then you're seen smoking on Facebook. That's probably okay. But now, now we have patron scan. This company sells three products, kiosk, desktop, and handheld systems. And what it is, is designed to help bar and restaurant owners manage customers. PatronScan is a subsidiary of the Canadian software uh, company, a biometric company. It's now on sale in the United States, Canada, Australia, and the United Kingdom. And it helps spot fake IDs, but it also tracks troublemakers. So when you arrive at, let's say, a, a patron scan uh, using bar, what they do is they ask you for ID, they scan it. The company maintains a list of objectionable customers designed to protect venues from people who have previously had a problem in any bar, fighting sexual assault, drugs, th- theft, or any other bad behavior. But the bad behavior, that list is up to each restaurant. So, if you go into some restaurant with a MAGA hat, can you be put on this scan? Now, if you are banned in one bar, you will be banned in all bars that use this uh, system. And that's in Australia, the United States, the United Kingdom. No matter where you go... You are known as someone who can't go into the bar. Now, the kind of behavior? All up to the individual bar. The owners of each bar can ignore the bans if they want. The data of non-offending customers is deleted in 90 days. So even if you're not doing something wrong, they're still holding all your information for 90 days. Uh, The they keep a private list that are not shared with other bars if they want. But if you are a bad customer, it can be kept for five years. Um, They do have uh, an appeals process, but it's up to the company whether they listen to it or not. Uber and Airbnb, we all know that when you get into an Uber, if the driver has written something bad about you, you're probably not going to get into another Uber. If you have somebody who who didn't like you, can say whatever, you're going to not be able to use Uber. Airbnb is now the same, and that is a private list. So if you are in a an Airbnb, and think about how big Airbnb is now, if you're in an Airbnb and the owner didn't like something or said you did something Even if you didn't do it, they can alert Airbnb. It's kept confidential. You have no right to see what your accuser is telling you, and you are banned from all Airbnb. WhatsApp, also developing for communications a new uh, social credit score. For example, you can be banned on WhatsApp if too many other users block you. You can also get banned for, selling, uh, for sending spam, threatening messages, trying to hack or reverse engineer the WhatsApp app, um, or using the service with an unauthorized app. Now, this is small potatoes in the United States, but not for the rest of the world, because in m- many parts of the world, this is the main form of communication. Not being allowed to use WhatsApp in some countries is like not being able to use a telephone in America. Now, here's the problem. Nobody likes antisocial, violent, rude, unhealthy, reckless people. We got it. So what's wrong with this technology? As I have said before, what is now being built completely changes our system. We have always had protections of the First and Second Amendment. We've had protections of privacy, supposedly, under the Constitution. We don't anymore. First Amendment, freedom of speech? Nope. Uh, How about freedom of assembly? Nope. Freedom of, of, of assembly with people that you choose? Nope. It's not protected. Freedom of religion? no. Uh, they they're banning Christian ads now just because they're Christian. Mm, that doesn't sound like a good thing. I and mean, that's protected by the Constitution? Not really. Uh, Second Amendment? Nope. Anybody can say no, no guns here, and they don't have to do anything about it. They can pressure banks now to say don't do business with the gun manufacturers or the gun businesses or people who have a gun. Don't do business with them. We're going to cancel their their financial services. Totally fine because it's a private company. Don't quarter soldiers in the house. Well, the NSA is already doing it, but so is so is Google. So is Amazon. They're listening to your conversation. There is no such thing as privacy anymore. And no law can stop these things because they're private companies. They can do whatever they want. In China, they're doing it by force because the government. China is going this way just as Orwell predicted in 1984. But just as Brave New World predicted, Huxley said it would come with a big happy face on it. It would come through service and and it would be great and you'd want this service both of those i remember a time within the last 10 years people were saying oh looks like huxley was right orwell was wrong no they were both right one 1984 fits the east huxley applies to us in the west all right so what's easy to get into but hard to get out of i would say a lot of sports cars but that's not easy that's not what the answer is credit card debt with the average interest rate at 18 percent, it's going to eat up all of your savings and you're going to have a hard time paying this off now if you're a homeowner I highly recommend that you consolidate all of your high interest debt into a mortgage that has an interest rate of 4%. Could save you hundreds of dollars a month, even thousands or more. The people I trust is American financing. They do not work for the bank. They also don't have to reset your loan. So, you know, I got 10 years in your mortgage you're already done 10 years. You did a 15, 20 or 30 year loan. I don't want to go back to a 30 year loan. You don't have to. American financing will find the thing that fits you, fits your budget and, and, and is not putting you at risk. Please, please consider refinancing right now. Get rid of your high credit card interest rates Um, Make sure you're in and no more adjustable mortgages. Make sure that you're in a locked mortgage. If it goes down another point and a half, two points. Great. Refinance again. It'll be worth it then. It's American financing. They work for you. 800-906-2440. Do the responsible thing now. Contact them. 10 minute phone call you'll see if it will work for you americanfinancing.net that's americanfinancing.net 10 seconds station ID American Financing Corporation NMLS182334 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So uh, Eric Bowling sat down with Mike Pence yesterday. We're going to get a recap from him in just a few minutes. Also, uh, coming up in about fifteen minutes, we have uh, uh, the people that are arguing in front of the Supreme Court today uh, about Prager being banned from or or shadow banned uh, on with Google. This is a really important Supreme Court case. We'll talk to him. Uh, just before he goes into the courtroom here in a few minutes to argue the case in front of the Supreme Court. So yesterday, uh, we talked a little bit about 5G, and John Bolt, who is one of my favorite employees, and I, I just love working with him, um, he he is the guy who reads you know most of the email that comes in, and he hates it when I talk about how much I hate cats because all of the cat lovers write in. And he's like, Glenn, you just wrecked my day. So I apologize, uh, but I do really hate cats. Anyway, um, he said, the only thing that has come close to rivaling it is what I said yesterday about 5G. 5G, there is no evidence that 5G causes cancer. None. Zero zip. It is most likely, I believe... Uh, it's just as likely, if not more likely, that this is a rumor that was started by China or Russia to shake Americans off the track. You have to understand, if, if, it, if we don't uh, do 5G, if we fall behind, things are going to change dramatically. I believe we lose our superpower status almost overnight. Silicon Valley will collapse on itself. Invention, American ingenuity, gone. Because it will. if you miss this train, it will be like being in the second grade, and in a year, everyone else that was with you in the second grade is now in the 12th grade, and you're not even sure that you're going to be able to make it to the third grade. It is really, really a huge deal. Uh, And we can get into more of that probably on tomorrow's show. But what I do want to say is I did some more research. And yesterday I told you it doesn't cause cancer. I want you to know that I was wrong. Doing more research, I found that it does cause cancer, but only in the heads of cats. And so I, I urge you now... Even more strongly, to make sure that we all have 5G, because you'll have high-speed internet and cat cancer. And if you disagree, make sure you're right in, uh, because John loves <laughs> loves these emails. Uh, so and and I, th- you know, I think it's fair that 5G would you're kill all the cats. To Glenn back while we're surfing a very high-speed internet. 23andMe. I have a a friend whose uh, family has this legend. They're all from Kansas, originally, supposedly, a few generations back in the family tree. A number of them were train robbers. And my friend trocked it up to Family Legend until recently he ordered the 23andMe kit. Well, it ended up matching him to some real relatives that he had never met, and he discovered that the legend was real. Now, I don't know why you would want to be, you know, related to, you know, notorious bank robbers, but they were excited about it. 23andMe can help unlock your past. And in the process, you can learn about your genetic heritage, where you came from in the world. Also, if you choose to opt in, it will introduce you to relatives you didn't know. Now, I don't know why anybody wants to opt into that, but you can. Most importantly, you can learn information about your health um and and what you can do about it right now to better know who you are what you need to uh to be aware of with your health go to 23andme.com slash back that's 23andme.com slash back and find out who you really are
0: christmas stories with glenn beck available at glennbeck.com all the tickets december 7th in salt lake city cats
1: are not welcome Welcome to the program fellow uh Blaze coworker uh Eric Bowling who is heard on the Blaze
3: Yeah do we get minimum wage have they raised the minimum wage yet Glenn No they haven't Paul
1: told me good? that I <laughs> No I'm I'm a long way from making eight, uh, 15 dollars an hour and that's why I'm voting for uh, Bernie Sanders um, So uh, you met yesterday with the vice president tell me about it
3: So um yeah, real interesting. There's a Faith and Freedom conference, um, I guess a fundraiser that Jeff Duncan was putting on in South Carolina, and uh, I had the opportunity. They said, you want, a, "You want a little exclusive one-on-one with the vice president?" I said, "Absolutely." I drove. I live in Charleston, now, so I drove up to Greenville, and um, I got a few. I got like 12 minutes with the vice president, one-on-one, exclusive, and it was fantastic because, you know, I, I'm driving up there and I'm thinking. I, I, there's so much going on right now. There's so much going on in the Trump world. Do I do this? Um, how 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 much, you know, as you know, Glenn, you get someone that you've, you, who's doing kind of, you know, reaching out to you, doing your favor, doing a one on one exclusive. How hard do you press the gas? I said, you know what? There's too much happening right now. I got to go full throttle. And yeah. I did. I asked them the important stuff. I asked them, what's, what's the stuff with Nikki Haley? You know, the ambassador tweeting that, calm down everyone. We're, we're good friends with, with the vice president. I said, yeah, yes. And point blank is Nikki Haley vying to be the, the vice president in 2020, you know? And then I said, has the president told you, you are his running mate in 2020. I mean, those are questions. I think he wasn't really expecting me to ask,
1: but, yeah. but I, I I will and tell yes, you this. I, cause to... I floated the theory among friends um, uh, at the white house and I have said, you know, I have nothing against Mike Pence. I really like Mike Pence. And I think Mike Pence was a, uh, one of the reasons why Donald Trump was elected, because he was able to galvanize the religious right um, and, and make people feel comfortable with, uh, with Donald Trump. However, uh, I think having Nikki Haley on the ticket with Donald Trump, n- with no offense to Mike Pence— uh, I think would be very advantageous for the president uh, this time around.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I think he uh, he couldn't lose with either one. Um, I think you're probably right that maybe, you, you know, you, you check another box with with Nikki Haley. The, you know, he, Trump, you know, let's be honest, he's I believe he's going to win with a wider margin than last time. But a lot of it's going to come down to the suburbs and, and, you know, the female vote and Nikki Haley would certainly uh, firm up that but I think did you, either way but I think it's an easier ride with with a with a female vice president.
1: I know that I I mean I know when you have twelve minutes you probably have four questions maybe if the person wants to wants to talk. Um did you get into the economy at all and the trade war is are, are they do you get the sense that they are very well aware that if the economy turns this president's gonna have a real uphill battle. Yeah.
3: So so yes, and that, that's where I started. Because, you know, like I had said at the time the President was flying back from the G seven and I said that we were in the midst of a trade war with China. We've had conflicting comments coming out, one from the president, one from Stephanie Grisham his comms director, and another one from the President and again. I said, Look, are we are we prepared? The President said he's prepared to continue to raise tariffs on China in Phineum if they don't if they don't relent and, and play ball. And he says, We are and I said, Well I said Mr. Oh, I, you know, in all honesty, Mr. Vice President, I'm, I'm against tariffs. And you know, I love a lot of things that you guys are doing, but tariffs is not one of the things I like. I said, but it seems to be working. I said, is this, is this President Trump's idea or is this Steve Mnuchin talking in his ear with Larry Kudlow in the other ear, you know, playing hardball with China? Or is this coming from the president? He said, he laughed. He said, Eric, as you know, and I've known the president for 15 years, said, as you know, the president for a long time he has a lot of smart people around him but he everything he does just comes directly from the president so yeah. he did he weighed in on that and he's, he's ready to play hardball with china but i also said well in that case can i ask you this what's this idea about nuking hurricanes <laughs> 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 and he he laughed again he said oh you know that that that, that didn't happen <laughs> so, all right
1: all right so when does this uh, interview air
3: we're going to put it up live tonight. Um, they tell me it's going to be up around seven p.m. on the on the Blaze uh, platform, okay. like usual. You know, my show usually comes out around seven p.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So yep. that will come out tonight. You know, it was, it's really fascinating because I got into some of the. I, I asked him what's what's the what's the Greenland uh, idea? What's that all about? And He really explained it in a, in, a, in a way that I hadn't ever thought of. Like it, it became, you know, when I went into it thinking, you know, Trump. Sees it as a you know a, a real you know a high profile real estate buy and and maybe some sort of you know what was the motivation I went through it is it security is it financial yeah. Um, And he really broke it down, and it made a ton of— Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump—the
1: press has made fun of Donald Trump on this one. Nobody should. Uh, We've had three or four presidents that have wanted to buy Greenland, and it is always uh, gone sideways. But it actually is a very wise move if somebody could get it done. Eric, we'll watch for that tonight, only on Blaze TV. If you are not a subscriber, please— subscribe and support the talent that is trying to find the answers for you um uh, you know we we are a good solid team and uh, and voices that are across the spectrum of the conservative movement but we are all doing our very best to get you the truth eric does america you can't spell america without eric in the middle uh that's tonight you don't want to miss it it'll be downloaded around 7 p.m Subscribe to The Blaze now. Thanks, Eric. We're going to go to the steps of the Supreme Court in just about four minutes. Stand by for that. There's a huge case going into oral arguments today about uh, Google and can they ban and shadow ban uh, things like Prager University. Now, maybe you didn't notice that girl from accounting looking at you until a few days ago, but you sure do now. You know the one I mean. She's got the long lashes and the dark brown eyes. You've been so comfortable in your ex-chair that all you could focus on lately was work. But I can see it in your eyes now. You're smitten, my friend. But I have both good and bad news for you. Good news is she likes you a lot. Bad news is it's not really you, it's your X chair. She she likes your X chair a lot. She's seen your posture supported by the X chair's dynamic, variable, lumbar support system, and she wants to be every bit as ergonomically centered as you are. So keep your head on a swivel, my friend. Or better yet, maybe it's time for an additional X chair in the office x chair on sale now at a hundred dollars off just go to xchairbeck.com that's xchairbeck.com or call 1-844-4xchair xchairbeck.com go there now use the uh, promo code xwheels and you're going to get a free set of the new x wheels with your chair that's xchairbeck.com this is the
2: Glimbeck program
1: we go to uh, craig strasiri who is um uh, the cmo with prager university prager uh has been going through trouble with google they are they are starting their lawsuit against google today ninth circuit court i th- thought it was the supreme court but it's not there yet it's ninth circuit court which is a crazy courtroom welcome craig how are you
4: I'm great. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for having me.
1: Sure. So as you're getting ready to go in and and present the oral arguments, tell me, tell the listeners first exactly what you are, you're fighting.
4: Yeah, so Google and YouTube, as you know, they are a giant corporation that uh, has a lot of power and control and and can control what people see. And so over the past few years, uh, the problem has only continued to get worse. And so there are now over 200 videos that are being restricted. And get this, Glenn, five of the videos that Dennis Prager does on the Ten Commandments are being restricted. So they don't even hide their bias at this point. It's, it's uh, really unfortunate. So our case, uh, our case is really centered around this argument about a public forum, the distinction between a public forum and a publisher. Mm-hmm. And so a public forum, which could be a physical location or could be a website, is a place where the business invites someone to come on.
1: <clears throat> Excuse
4: me, sorry. The business invites... The public to come and use their platform for speech so YouTube says anyone can come on here and give us their opinion but then they turn around and censor us for their political viewpoint so uh, th- that's the basis of our of our lawsuit
1: what do you think the odds are of winning because this this doesn't just affect you that affects really anybody who is being uh, shadow banned uh, and it is in my opinion critical that you win this if you lose this Uh, And I'm guessing you will in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals because they're insane. Um, But if if you do lose this, this is a very bad blow to freedom of speech. These corporations will have no restrictions uh, on on any of their behavior.
4: No, that's right. That's exactly right. And the Ninth Circuit is crazy. And and if we lose it, we're in big trouble. It's getting more and more scary. And if they have the power to to control what people see and just restrict content that they disagree with, uh, then this is this is really scary. And most of America doesn't even know this is going on because the mainstream media has completely ignored this issue.
1: Well, they're they're doing things like, for instance, they they are banning uh, Prager University. Um, as you said, 200 different videos. Uh, Dennis is the best voice ever on the Ten Commandments. I mean, his books on, you know, his books on the Old Testament and his his uh, his videos on the Ten Commandments, there's just nobody even close to him. There's nothing uh, that is, you know, political partisan that is going on with that. This is just an anti-religious uh, bias that they have.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it clearly shows that they're targeting us for our our identity and uh, I'm sure your your uh, listeners may be aware that Project Veritas just had a couple of Google whistleblowers come out. You know, one of them mentioned that you guys, you and your show is on a blacklist, but they've yeah. also mentioned that PragerU has been targeted. Their own employees are coming out and admitting that they're targeting conservatives. And like you said, Dennis's message and the Ten Commandments are, are so mainstream uh, that it's really getting to be absurd at this point. Their own employees are admitting it, yet they they continue to go in front of Congress and they continue to say – that they're politically neutral which is which is obviously a lie.
1: So what is your what is your attack? I mean, what is the you know, you're going up against Google has who has more money and power than God at this point. Um what is your strategy?
4: Well, this is a classic case of David and Goliath and one one reason I'm really proud to work and represent PragerU is that we're fighters. Dennis always says that Courage uh, with our goodness without courage is, is useless. So, we're very courageous at Prager U and we're, we're really fighting for freedom of speech, not just for Prager U, but for all Americans. So, uh, this is a very important case, and uh, there's going to be a lot of supporters there today at the courthouse for Prager U, which is very exciting. A lot of people recognize. How important this case is, and so uh, yes, the Ninth Circuit is crazy, but we're going to take this as far and, and as long as we need to, all the way up to the Supreme Court uh, to keep fighting.
1: Well, the good news is, if you're um, turned down by the Ninth uh, Circuit Court, they are the most overturned court in the country. I mean, if they say if they say the sky is blue, I'll swear to you that it's red because they're wrong almost every time. Uh, <laughs> that, is, that is true. Yeah. All right, Craig. Best of luck. Uh, anything that we can do to help.
4: Yes, I would encourage your listeners to please go to PragerU.com. We have a petition against YouTube that 600,000 people have already signed. Um, if they're so willing and generous that we are a nonprofit and any donation will help us keep spreading public awareness on this issue. Um, so we got to keep fighting and I appreciate you having me on.
1: You bet. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. There, is, there are only a handful of things that I believe are godsends and things that will actually help save the country um operation our the underground railroad the saving of of children uh in the sex slave racket 40 million slaves around the world that the nazarene fund i think is critical and um and prager university is another one it is i just don't think that there's anybody that reaches as many people, especially young people, as Prager University. I mean, they are up to, I think, their billionth view. Uh, and they have just swept the internet and they're watched all over the world. And it's really important work if you can support them. And that's either financially or just through a prayer today would be helpful. Prager University,
0: yeah. Things like their, uh, Their video on the Electoral College. Like, it's something like that that is like one of the only things standing in the way of younger people just getting on the national popular vote bandwagon. When it's actually explained, which never happens in the media. Uh, People understand it pretty easily, but it takes four or five minutes. And is that that something that, you know, the media will actually dedicate to an important topic like this? No.
1: You know, yesterday I did uh, a special hour, hour number two this week, or at least for the next, I think, two or three days. uh, is going to be about the economy and all the things that you need to know. Today, the truth about recessions. Recessions are good and bad for the politician. And we'll explain uh, the truth about recessions that nobody really ever explains anymore. We've completely gone off the deep end on on this. Um, and it's because of the Fed. Yesterday, we explained, I had so much mail yesterday. And people came in uh, to my office yesterday. And they were like, Glenn, thank you for that monologue on how important America is. We gave you some stats yesterday about... How the sovereign funds from almost all of the countries around the world are all investing in our stock market and in our bonds because it's the only return. We are the last one that is offering real returns and you can't make money anyplace else. If if we fail, if we falter, the entire world falters If we get off of the free market, which Elizabeth Warren will do, the entire world goes to hell. And that's not hyperbole. If we fail economically, everything goes to hell in a handbasket. And by the way, the poll that came out yesterday, I've been waiting to ask you about it, and it came out yesterday yesterday. That's a that's a real poll, isn't it? The Monmouth poll? Yes. Uh, showing a three-way tie,
0: basically, yes. at the top. Yes, absolutely. Uh, one of the highest-rated pollsters there is. Now, it's one poll. Um, there's only been one other one that's shown a result like this. But, that one was uh, a little bit shaky,
1: but this one is A+. Yeah, an A-plus-rated pollster. I mean, Elizabeth Warren could be our next president.
2: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
1: We have, um, we have an hour on the economy. Yesterday, we told you why America's economy was so important. Uh, today, we talk about recessions. They're good for economies. They're bad for people and presidents. And uh, you'll learn the nasty secret about recessions that the media will never tell you.
2: of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
1: All this week, in this time period, I'm going to be talking to you about the economy, what's coming, what you need to know, explaining things that maybe the mainstream media just can't find time to explain. Yesterday, I explained to you why China is so dangerous, playing, playing a... Uh, Some sort of uh, chicken with China is not necessarily a very good idea. They have a Trump card, no pun intended, and I told you about that yesterday. Also, whose fault is it if the economy goes down? If you didn't hear it yesterday, please go back to the podcast and listen to it. Today, we're going to talk to you about recessions. What are they? Well, they're good for economies. They're just painful for people and very bad for presidents. We begin there in one minute.
2: This is the Glenn Beck Program.
1: So I want to tell you about Marta. She was a school teacher for about 40 years, and it was her labor of love, and sometimes she still misses it. But these days, she gets a concentrated version of the joy she used to feel during her teaching years by spending time with her grandkids. Uh, but up until she discovered Relief Factor, uh, it wasn't looking as though Marta might ever really be able to enjoy those days and those times again. Years of pain in the joints of her hands left her uh, frequently unable to even do simple tasks. Sometimes it brought her to tears, other times just merely quiet sadness. She'd get into the car, she'd want to go see her grandchildren, and she she couldn't turn the key uh, of the ignition of her car, because the pain was so bad, now, though the pain is gone, and she has relief factor to thank for it. Relief factor is a great way to reduce the inflammation that causes pain, and it works for seventy percent of us who try it i've tried it. Relief factor is not a drug; I take it every day, three times a day it's nineteen ninety five you get the three week quick start in that time. You will see if it works for you or not. See how and if it will vastly improve your quality of life. It has mine. Try Relief Factor. Just try it and get your life back. If you want a drug-free, natural way to ease your pain and get your life back, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. Recessions. Good for economies, harsh on people, bad for presidents. Now, I don't want to sound like Bill Maher, and I don't want to step into his quagmire of sounding like I'm wishing or supportive of a recession striking the U.S. economy. Let me start by emphatically stating I neither hope for a recession nor am I forecasting one to occur now, soon, next year, or at any particular time. We're off the charts on on recessions, so no one knows. Marr has gotten himself into trouble because he's openly wishing for the economy to crash into recession, despite the fact that it will be devastating to millions of Americans who will lose their jobs. Many of them will lose their homes or their businesses. He believes that he we should have a recession uh, between now and November 2020 because Trump will lose his reelection bid. And that would make it worth it, even though other people are suffering. Now, that's easy for a guy who's worth over 100 million dollars to say. But let me say, I pray every day that we do not experience a recession, because unlike Mar, I'd really rather not see any American, whether I agree or disagree with him suffer an economic downturn uh and also because when it comes to the re-election of donald trump i think bill maher is right about that if a recession happens and the economy goes off the wet rails he will be blamed first term presidents are really susceptible to recessions dooming their chances at serving a second term and trump has attached Much of his presidency and his campaign performance of the US uh, economy, if you're taking credit for everything, you're going to get blamed for everything as well. But first, before we really get into this, let me explain so we're on the same page. For today's purposes, I'm discussing the textbook definition of an economic recession. That's two or more quarters of declining gross domestic uh, products, six months or more, where the total financial output of the United States is shrinking. Now, historically speaking, the United States experiences a recession about every seven years. Remember that number. Every seven years, we have a recession. It's going to come into play later, and you're going to be, I think... It's a piece, a puzzle piece that falls in and you're like, oh, my gosh. Now, we're currently sitting at 10 years since the last recession, the Great Recession followed, you know, that followed the 2007-2008 financial crisis. It's been 10 years now. This represents the period we're in now, the longest period of financial expansion in all of U.S. history. That should tell you something. So in a way, we are way overdue for our next recession already. You know, but that's, you know, like saying Los Angeles, oh, they're overdue for a major earthquake because they hadn't had one in a while. You know, it makes for, you know, great headlines and everybody wants to read it, but it's not science. Now, there's a great misconception about recessions, and this comes from the progressive movement around the turn of the century. It's all really due because of politicians in part because the media and in part because of our general tendency toward finding a scapegoat when something, quote, goes wrong, end quote. But here's the counterintuitive truth. You might need duct tape to wrap around your head so your head doesn't explode when I say this to you. Just because a recession occurs... It doesn't necessarily, in fact, it usually does not mean anything has gone, quote, wrong, end quote. In a healthy, functional market economy, recessions are normal, they're natural, and a healthy process of the business cycle. Now, that's hard to say. I'm a small business owner, I am also a rancher, I have a farm. I know what farmers are going through right now. We're going through it. I am a business, small business owner. I know what it is like. I know homes can be foreclosed on by banks. Families are evicted during recessions. Life savings can be wiped out. Farmers lose their land. Ranchers are forced to sell their herds. Small business owners are fo- forced to cut back on workers, have to lay people off, or they lose their business. So I have been through that process myself. It is painful, it is emotional, and it has a real-world impact. Nobody wants to go through that. Nobody wants to see anybody else go through that. It's a hard time. But that is the trap. Everything is supposed to be easy. Well, life is not naturally easy. When something is truly easy, easy all the time it goes against nature a financial downturn can negatively impact many people so we attend we we tend to automatically think of them as bad things and so we look for ways to stop them that's natural but it's wrong because it is going against the natural force To stop them, we invent organizations like the Federal Reserve that was created to stop the so-called boom and bust cycles that we were, you know, uh, you know, in great pain from. We had boom and bust cycles. We had depressions that would last a year. Everybody would lose everything and then it would start back up and everything would be good for seven to ten years. And then it got bad. So what we did is we invented the Federal Reserve. Did it work? No. No. Two years after the Federal Reserve was formed, the U.S. experienced an economic depression. 1920, I think it was. Then, 12 years later, the stock market suffered the worst crash ever. America entered the Great Depression, and we've had a dozen recessions since then. In fact, since the creation of the Federal Reserve System, both the frequency and the severity of U.S. recessions has increased, not decreased. And you're going to understand why in a minute. To stop a recession, we create national job programs. We enact government infrastructure spending programs. We bail out banks. We bail out auto auto manufacturing, entire industries. The Fed pumps trillions of dollars into the economy by buying bad mortgages, government bonds, stocks, and failing pension funds. Yet each recession we fight makes the next one much, much worse. Let me take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back and tell you exactly why we shouldn't be intervening into financial markets because it makes things worse and i'll show you exactly how and why first uh let me tell you about uh, simply safe <laughs> i've talked to you about simply safe uh, and how they protect your home from burglars the average arrival time for police is 45 minutes but with simply safe it's seven minutes now this is why I love Simply Safe. When they first came on, I think they had just a handful of employees. Now they have hundreds and hundreds of employees and they're the best selling uh system on the market. They are the they are the best. They are the benchmark now of home systems. And it's because they do things right. They don't have any contracts. Um, You can cancel at any time. It's $15 a month for the for this home security. You own the system. It's state of the art. Uh, And they now have video verification. So when your alarm goes off, it usually takes police about 45 minutes to get to a house after an alarm's gone off because it's usually a false alarm and so it goes to the bottom of the list. However, with Simply Safe and they are the only people that provide this. Simply Safe has video verification. So when the alarm goes off, they look at the video cameras and they go, "Yep, there's somebody in the house that shouldn't be there." They call police and say, "This is real. We have an active burglar or emergency." That goes your response time goes from 45 minutes to 7 minutes simply safe the top name in home security now simply safe has the deal going on where you can get a free hd security camera when you order that's a hundred dollar value get your free hd security camera right now at simply safe com. that's s-m-i-p-l-i safe com. that's simply safe com. we break for 10 seconds station id Continuing part two on our week-long series on the economy and things that you need to know and understand if you're going to weather the storms that are ahead, Um, I want you to imagine for a minute that there is no Federal Reserve. Yay! There's no legal authority for the government to bail out any person or any industry. We just have a simple, truly free market economy. Now, in this world that you're imagining now, During periods of economic expansion, investments get made. People are inventing things. They launch new businesses. They speculate by investing in stocks. Banks loan money to entrepreneurs. People buy new cars, new phones, TVs, jet skis. They take out loans to build an addition to their home. Things are expanding and things are good. However, the bank can't, you know, make every investment that the bank is making by giving loans a great investment people can't do that people who have really good ideas for businesses maybe their timing is off maybe they misread the market maybe it's a crappy idea but businesses fail not every investment gets that gets made is equally wise or good not every product that is launched or business idea has the same market value Investments, whether made to launch a new business or in a given stock, eventually either work out or they don't. The smarter, wiser, or luckier investment goes up in value, and there's a payout. The foolish, risky, or just unlucky investment lose values and goes bad. This is not necessarily anybody's fault. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. You could have an entire society of very well-intentioned, hardworking, and perfectly moral people, and this will occur, because not every idea meets with success. So, some investments work out, some don't. And when the bad or the unlucky investments go bad, they have to get flushed out of the system. And the capital and the energy in which has been allocated to that unproductive investment— has to be redeployed to new, hopefully more productive ones. So the small business owner who opened a restaurant that just didn't end up being as popular uh, as they hoped has to close the doors. The homemakers whose handcraft uh, handmade crafts are not selling on Etsy has to close down her website. The company who invested billions of dollars trying to invent the perpetual motion machine has failed and now has to lay off all of its employees and close their doors. That's the normal cycle. Some things are good, some things are bad. No outside shock or stock market crash was needed. No yield curve inversion, no war, no drought, or Hurricane Ivan. There were no nefarious actors or crooks like Gordon Gecko or Bernie Madoff. It was just the natural business cycle of self-organizing systems coming back into balance and reallocating energy and resources from underperforming activities to more productive ones. It's how we grow and get better. There's a setback. We learn from it. We get better. Now, let's go back to seven years. Why does every recession happen Tend to occur every seven years. It's because the average business loan is five to seven years long. So it's as simple as that. Don't let any economist tell you anything different. About two years into economic expansion, money is lent out in earnest by banks to entrepreneurs who start or expand their business. Some of those businesses fail, some succeed. And because the average loan is about five years long, the businesses that are failing tend to start not paying things back about six or seven years into the economic expansion. So banks have to write off those losses, they lend less, Businesses lay people off. The economy absorbs the cycle of higher unemployment and financial slowdown as a recession. It's a period, usually less than a year, where the economy shrinks as bad investment, bad debt and bad ideas flushed out of the system. Now, the president of Bridgewater Capital, that's one of the world's largest head fund, uh, calls this part of the cycle the deleveraging phase. Unsound or unlucky investments have to be flushed out of the financial system. And then a new period of investments and economic expansion occurs. Now, yes, when a recession occurs, otherwise innocent people are negatively impacted, sometimes severely. The server at the restaurant, they didn't do anything to deserve being laid off. She's going to have to deal with not having a job, not having income. Her children are going to suffer. Everyone's going to suffer. The auto worker whose bosses decide to invest billions in that perpetual motion engine didn't make a bad decision. It was the bosses that did, but they're going to be laid off. They deserve our sympathy. And I believe more importantly, they deserve our help and assistance, but not through a federal system. Instead, as a community, as people, with a social contract that we have with our neighbors, we help people. The further we get away from farming, the further we get away from this truth. You might be the best farmer, but for some reason, something went wrong, weather, water, whatever it is, something went wrong and you have a failing crop. The other farmers around you know, I'm going to help this person. And they rally around and they help each other because they know some year down the road, they're going to need the help. And it's a social contract. It's what keeps our farming community solid. Now. Instead of doing those things, instead of understanding the natural and healthy cycle that exists within a free market economy, which rewards the best ideas with sustained overall growth, we try to create a centrally planned system that will provide for positive growth for everybody. No one will ever uh, ever suffer. It's going to be great for all businesses at all time. We tend to believe that somehow... This politician or this central banker can prevent a recession from ever occurring. It's not possible. If the government were in charge of everything, then smart bureaucrats and committees could decide on what ideas are good and bad, what to build, when. This is the Elizabeth Warren plan. What consumers want and need all by Harvard-trained economists who now live in Georgetown, and they are much smarter than Ma and Pa Kettle in small-town USA. Let me continue. You will understand the free market. You will understand Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and why a recession is normal and natural, and you should not freak out. Instead, we should actually freak out that the government is bailing everyone out. We've had 10 years past our last recession. The next one could be worse.
2: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
1: You know, buying or selling a home is really hard. Nobody enjoys the process. But when you have to do it, it helps immensely if you have somebody who actually knows what they're doing and you trust them. You need the best agent, whether it's integrity or competence or both. It matters that you get the best of the best when you are selling or buying a home. That's why we created realestateagentsitrust.com. We learned the best practices of great agents, and we decided to build a network of those great agents to help you sell or buy a home. Then a really cool thing happened. The people who have those best practices They saw what we were doing and they flooded and said, I want to be a part of this. It's taken us many years to get this right, to make sure we have everybody fully vetted and we watch them every sale they make. If they ever fall out of the parameters, they're no longer in the system. If you want a great agent who has a high sense of urgency, who's professional, knows how to properly value your home and create the most value for your home, Get moving. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Go to blazetv.com.
0: Promo code is Glenn. Save 10 bucks. Get your subscription now and support
1: conservative voices. Welcome to the program, the Glenn Beck program. I, uh, I'm i talking about recessions today, and it's important for you to understand this. I'm trying to give you a week uh, at this hour of of economic um, food to chew on because I believe between now and 2030 the world is going to be facing economic collapse and even the strongest free market advocate when they're affected they're going to rush towards socialism we if if this economy doesn't hold together um, if Donald Trump loses this race God help us all Because you're going to have somebody like Elizabeth Warren and she is going to use the motherly, uh, we just need to take care of each other kind of thing. And we will end the free market. It's part of her plan. Um, So it's important that we all know what is right and why it's right. Now, recessions can be prevented. They can be lessened. With 0% interest loans, they, they can flood the market with, with cheap money. It doesn't usually help the lower class, uh, and middle class doesn't really get rich. It actually expands the distance between the poor and the wealthy. But financial mishaps can be prevented with government bailouts. That's what we did in '08 poor investments can be prevented with economic district planned you know by appointed committees financial cycles can be prevented completely now listen to this by way of the modern monetary theory mmt and this is a new theory it's not it's a very old theory and it is it does not work it's magic Um, We'll get into this uh, later on this week, but it is where governments simply print money they need at any time they determine they need it and any level of money. It is. It's Zimbabwe. It is Venezuela, and it will end our way of life. And you have people in Washington now discussing it as a brilliant new idea. So you can do a lot of things, but what. Tends to occur when governments and central banks interfere with financial markets is they make the recession much worse. So the next recession, you know, becomes a depression. It wouldn't have happened that way if you would have let it just go and people pay for the mistakes that they made. It creates a distortion in our financial market by injecting policies and currency and false demand where it would not have otherwise been. It makes it impossible. The deleveraging process doesn't happen. It doesn't flush the bad business ideas and investments out of the system and make room for new, better ideas. The banks never had to pay for their mistakes, and they are much worse today, even with all the new regulation, than they were before 2008. Now, I want to show you the worst example of a centrally planned and controlled economy and how it makes things worse. It's China. Yesterday, I told you that their debt to GDP is running at 400 and, what was it, 87% um, to GDP. Uh, What? We're running at about 68% of GDP, which means take 68% of everything that we have made and sold and purchased for the year, Take 68% of that and just add that to our debt. They're at 400 and negative 487%. They are centrally planned. They have 13 special economic zones. Each one has a committee to determine what to build, what investments to make, what resources to mine. And for years the media, people uh, in banking, they all talk about the Chinese miracle, an unprecedented 22 years in a row of GDP growth, at least on paper. This is why they have ghost cities, entire gigantic cities with no one living in them. According to Merrill Lynch, more than 50% of the companies in China are actually bankrupt 50% they are zombie companies they're kept alive not because they're able to produce a profit or pay debts but because their debts are continually refinanced by the central bank in a never ending cycle of more debt to cover the bad investments it's the very definition of good money after bad. This is why, as I told you yesterday, they had to create $50 trillion in new currency since 2014. $50 trillion. So you know, all the currency in print from all over the world today is $60 trillion. So they, almost, they printed almost what every country in the world has in, in currency. And half of that went into these zombie companies. Wow. Now, what happens when bad companies and poor investments aren't allowed to fail for political reasons? Well, one analogy is think of forest fires. Think of forest fire we We have this knee jerk reaction when a forest fire occurs. Oh no, there's a fire, Something's gone wrong. We've got to put it out. We've got to save the the forests. Well, no, now, wait a minute, hold it just a second. The forest will grow back. It will grow back. It is natural. Now, if somebody is doing arson, that's different. But lightning is natural. We have more forest now than we've ever had. Because why? We don't let them burn like it happened in nature. And we also plant an awful lot of trees. We all know that it's settled science that fires are a very important part of the, the ecological cycle. It helps keep the forest healthy. It also removes the older, unhealthy, and dead plants and converts them into a nutritional resource for the soil, and it allows a much healthier forest to grow. Our continued intervention into that natural cycle of forest fire prevents the dead underbrush and the fallen trees from being removed this is why california has fire after fire after fire the fire when when you do that the fire just rolls through it becomes an out-of-control firestorm that destroys the entire forest and not just the dead and unhealthy underbrush The credit cycle is the same. It is the natural way for self-organizing markets to ensure that resources are allocated to the healthiest and most productive ideas, products and companies. And when they go out of business, when people learn their lesson and they pay the price for bad decisions, it's painful, just like a forest fire is. But it adds nutrients to the soil of the free market. So it's good for economies. However... If you interfere, it's very bad. A little spot fire pops up in the economy. We extinguish it with mountains of zero interest uh, loans, bailouts from government investments. We We are making it much, much worse. Our economy is strewn now with overgrown companies and programs that simply grow the bubble even bigger. It's happening in the banking sector. Which brings us to presidents. It is understandable that politicians do not like recessions. I don't want a recession. And I'm telling you, if the economy goes to hell in a handbasket, which many people are rooting for, it means the president loses this. And if he loses this race, we become a planned society without a free market. During recessions, everybody's looking for somebody to blame because we think recessions are not natural, that they're bad. The president, the most visible politician, he has the most authority. And so he gets an, you know, outsized share of the blame when, quote, something goes wrong. And if you look at the presidency since World War II, every one-term president had their first term marred by a recession. Ford, Carter, Bush, won. Ford probably was doomed anyway because of Nixon. But the trend holds before World War II, recessions also took their toll with, you know, the with four one term presidents suffering through a recession or depression during the first term. Two others were assassinated and and FDR did break the mold. uh, But he was, you know, he elongated, I think, the worst economy in U.S. history and he sold the the uh people a, a line of lies that were were just that they were lies they were not helping anyone they were elongating things and he did it out of compassion which can be misplaced trump however i think is the most acute case of recession impacting reelection chances that we've ever seen because he has built his presidency on the economy. He has taken credit for everything. So, Stocks are up, unemployment low, GDP growth been solid every quarter, top line metrics look good. He talks about it. He says, see, what we're doing is good. It makes him vulnerable to a downturn, very vulnerable, especially in this where the media and everybody else is just not telling you the truth. He knows this and he's going to be keenly focused on the economy, make sure it doesn't slip into recession I think it all cost. He and his team are already advocating a Fed cut for interest rates, restart the quantitative easing by just dis- buying distressed al- uh, assets like farmers that are losing their farms. And we should ex- expect more of that over the next few months. Now, here's some good news. Everybody in the Fed, they are looking at, they look at themselves like heroes. They are, uh, they are um, Jesus, Neo from the Matrix, uh, you know, and Ben Bernanke all rolled up into one. They just they didn't learn anything from this. They think what they did was save the economy. And in some ways they were right. The, the Federal Reserve did reload, uh, did reload after the bailouts of 2009. Central banks around the world did not. But we raised our interest rates off the 0% level. We got them up to 2.5, and we sold a lot of that bad debt until recently. Every time we sold it, the market crashed 20%, first in January, then in April, then October to Christmas. Um, And since then, they haven't deleveraged anything. But they do have some ammo to stave off a recession, at least for a while. But it will make the next one worse now here's what we can do we can prepare ourselves and our families our businesses and our communities we can keep what we have in safe places we can make sure that we have savings Uh, and it may mean that you sacrifice you know something you want today uh, for you know so you have something when it's raining outside you can pay off the debt where you can. You can refinance in, uh, um, right now into a lower interest rate. Get those credit card debt. Get it down. Um, get your interest rate on the credit cards from 18% to 4% if you can. Cut back on all unnecessary expenses. And I know this sounds stupid, But I think one of the reasons why we suffer so much today is because we have broken our covenant as a covenant nation every single day. We have chased God out of our schools, out of our churches, many of them. We don't have any rules anymore. We don't believe in in truth anymore. And we were a covenant nation. We have to start living the covenant. We have to start behaving like God's people, which means we have to start serving each other more. We have to start being decent more. We have to restrain the natural man in us. And the biggest part of that is getting down on our knees, humbling ourselves, asking for forgiveness, and praying for our country. Praying that what his will is, is done. Whether we like it or not, whatever he deems is best for us, that it's done and we accept it, and that our hearts are softened so we can help one another through whatever comes. More tomorrow. Somewhere within the sound of my voice, there is a man with a whistle around his neck and he is aching to hear its shrill call just one more time. He gets up in the morning, he goes for a walk, and he walks the sidelines of a dew-covered gridiron and his tacovus boots making a fine, firm noise. It, now, time was, he would go, he, he played on that field, and then he took the boys to state almost every year as he became the coach. And every time, it was almost as satisfying as if he had managed to go himself back in the old days. The boys stood for something immortal in that game, just as Takovas' Boots stands for something immortal in him now. It's about character and quality. Tecovas, I want you to check out their boots. They are really well made, half the price of anything in its class. Check out their boots. Check out their western wear. It's Tecovas Boots. Tecovas, T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com slash Beck. dot com slash Beck. Western wear. For your frontier,
2: you're listening to Glenn Beck.
1: Yeah, uh, congratulations to the Republican Governor of Idaho, Brad Little, is his name. Um, <clears throat> He was told by the three judges on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that the state of Idaho must pay pay for the male-to-female gender reassignment surgery of an inmate sentenced to 10 years in prison for sexually abusing a 15-year-old boy. Um, Only attracted to boys, I guess, because he's actually a female and he wants to be reassigned as a female that's about uh, a twenty dollars to $30,000 surgery. Uh, the governor said, no, I don't think the taxpayers are going to pay for that. I agree 110%. Mm. Pain and suffering, cruel and unusual punishment is what the court says.
2: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
0: I am happy. I'm back. Thank you very much, Hillary. (laughs) Because you
1: vacationed at home. It's not a
0: vacation. It was not a
1: vacation. Did you do that by choice or did your wife make you? It was just a long weekend. I had,
0: uh, you know, we had some work going on at the house that I. What do you have going on in the house? We had some stuff like getting fixed and installed, and then I've been like, you know, you know those things that build up on your lists of things Uh, to do.
1: I've got a whole. I've been avoiding them now for mm -hmm. about five years. Yes, and I've got to take care of all of them now, and it's like uh oh,
0: we live on the street that was built in like 2006 2007 2008 like mm-hmm. all the houses on it so yeah. right before the housing collapse um and so all the houses that were built in that time frame yeah like within the last like two months have all replaced their roof. And I'm like, this is freaking coming to me, isn't it? Oh, yeah. This is like, and we haven't had to do it yet. We haven't had any issues, but like, I'm what? Oh, those are fun. Oh, no,
1: I don't want to do that. Those are fun. I don't want to do it. All right, Rob Henderson is joining us next. He wrote a great article in the New York Post I read this weekend. Luxury beliefs are the latest status symbol for rich Americans. Great points. Next.
2: Fusion of entertainment and enlightenment.
1: Oh, you know what, Lobby? Climate change. Everyone should have renewable energy. Why don't? Why doesn't everyone get renewable energy? Well, maybe because uh, uh, most people can't afford it. You know, uh, marriage is. Well, uh, yeah, you know, monogamy is outdated and not good for society. Of course, I'm married, but marriage isn't for everyone. Yet, the rich, their marriage rate is the same as it was in 1960. Everyone else is collapsing. You know, religion is really not good for. Oh, really? Is it? There's a great article from Rob Henderson. Uh, I read it this weekend in the New York Post. Luxury beliefs, they're the latest status symbol. For rich Americans Just that is so true But when you hear the effect Of what that status symbol Is doing to everyone else It really rings home As something that is very Very bad for our society We go there in one minute
2: This is the Glenbeck Program
1: You know, it only takes one major disaster to remind us how fragile our lives really are, how easily the well-oiled machine of society can break down. Life can change that fast. And when it changes, it does so many times without any warning. When emergency strikes, are you prepared for days without electricity or stores being damaged or closed? Or if you live in California, are you really prepared for another fire and your home gone? I can't imagine I can't imagine living you know on a coast with a hurricane or in California with everything how do you do it today's a good day to prepare we're headed into national preparedness month which as the name success uh, uh, suggests that it is time to prepare for disasters I've done this. I did it many, many years ago, started building food storage uh, with my Patriot Supply. They have revolutionary uh, revolutionized preparedness with industry leading line of emergency food gear, water filtration products, everything that you might need some point down the line. This week, you'll save a hundred dollars on a four week emergency food package. When you go to my special website, prepare with dot com. These are four-week kits. They include breakfast, lunch, and dinner for four weeks. They last up to 25 years in storage. They are really, really good food. It's not like the old MREs. This is good food. They're shipped for free, discreetly to your door, like it's some sex product. But you don't. I mean, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna come over the uh, over the house with a gun to take your sex product in a disaster. They will go for your food, I guess. Uh, Don't ignore the writing on the wall. Give yourself some peace of mind. Take this away. This you don't need to worry about this. Save $100 right now at preparewithglen.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. So Rob Henderson writes in the New York Post, a former classmate from Yale recently told me that monogamy is kind of outdated, not good for society. So I asked her what her background is and if she planned on marrying. She said she comes from an affluent family, works at a well-known technology company. And yes, she personally intends to have a monogamous marriage, but quickly added that marriage shouldn't have to be for everyone. But she was raised by a traditional family. She planned on having a traditional family. But she maintained that traditional families are old fashioned and society should evolve beyond them. I asked myself, what could explain this? Welcome to the program, Rob Henderson. How are you, sir?
5: Good, Glenn. Thanks for having me.
1: You bet. I I really enjoyed your article. Um, What explains that? And why is it a problem?
5: yeah, well, you know, Glenn, I study social psychology and how people are influenced by others as a PhD student at Cambridge. And you know, based on a lot of research, it seems that social status is a, a key driver in how people think and how, how we behave. And in fact, you know, a lot of this research shows that, you know, respect and admiration from our peers contributes more to our sense of well-being than even how much money we make. And so this is sort of how I came up with the idea of luxury beliefs. And so, this we experience this sort of pleasure to or or pressure to display our status in new ways. And, you know, one way we do this is by displaying, you know, sort of our prestige, our intelligence, our education. And, you know, we do this by coming up with sort of clever and bizarre arguments. You know, and so, one concern that I have is that, you know, the beliefs of the upper class. You know they they continue to to change and update as people below them adopt these beliefs. And so their beliefs, the upper class beliefs become more wild and more exotic and further distance themselves from ordinary people. they're sort of constantly updating their belief wardrobe.
1: so what is what is is causing them to do that? Um, and and because in the old days, if you were rich, you might have lived a different lifestyle like the Vanderbilts lived a different lifestyle, but they didn't want to be known as as um, denigrating or or um, tearing apart everyone else. They wanted to be seen as the average, decent American. What's happened?
5: Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, two things might be going on. One is that. um so sort of luxury goods and and having you know uh, fancy uh, items. It's just these goods are becoming more affordable, so everyone can uh, purchase them. And another is that um, it's it's maybe not so cool to display your wealth with with material goods anymore. Um, I think a lot of people maybe think it's uh, sort of tacky or it sort of um, makes people feel bad to you know if, if I get to afford this item but you don't get to have it. And so both of those things simultaneously make material goods not so appealing. So a new way that the upper class can display their status is to have these sort of unusual and in some cases even bizarre beliefs. Um, And, you know, in many cases, they hold these beliefs um, with good intentions. They think that they're maybe doing the right thing. But I think alongside that maybe more kind-hearted motive is also this motive to sort of display their social class
1: so give me a give me some examples of luxury beliefs
5: sure so one belief that i talk about in the new york post article is the belief that all family structures are equal there's this sort of non-judgmental attitude that a lot of you know educated people have um you know whether you're single parent or step parent or have a you know polyamorous sort of situation with the parents um you know they're all equal but you know the actual empirical evidence is clear that families with two married parents are, you know, the safest and most beneficial for young children, and you know often it's it's members of the upper class who you know as you as you noted uh, reading the article there that grew up with two married parents and you know somehow right. these are the sort of you know on the uh, of the belief that you know monogamy is outdated or that you know marriage is some kind of uh, you know a, an oppressive structure or that you know all families are exactly the same. Um, And I think this relaxed attitude about monogamy and marriage, it trickles down to the working class and the poor. And, you know, as you said, you know, marriage between or marriage rates between the upper class and and lower class Americans were actually quite similar uh, in the 1960s because there were strong social norms in place. Um, And then affluent Americans during that time started expressing more skepticism about marriage and monogamy. And this sort of trickled down to the lower classes and eroded the, the social norms for for those people but for the upper classes um, marriage rates actually remained roughly steady such that they're basically getting married at the same rates today so why the
1: disconnect why the people yeah, preaching I, it they say this do they not believe it
5: you know that's an interesting question about belief um, I think that they many of them probably do believe it on some level but I'm also not entirely sure how much belief actually... Matters. I think that this drive for social status is so strong that people can kind of convince themselves of, you know, strange beliefs if it gives them the sort of respect and the admiration of their peers. You know, if it's trendy and cool in the moment uh, in one social group to say yeah. that, you know, polyamory is, is, is fine, then people will just say that because they don't want to risk being ostracized and outcast by you know, their peers.
1: So so help me out on on one thing. How did it become a a, a luxury um, to have some of these beliefs? For instance, all families are equal. That really started, at least the way I, I see it. Either one of two ways. Um, it either started as a you know deconstruction kind of postmodernism plan uh, and was planted to to destroy our society, or It came from a place to where nobody wants to nobody wants to harm or say things that makes the single mom, uh, you know, or the mixed family feel bad. Um, And so you're like, no, you know, you have a good you have a good marriage and you have a you know, or you have a good family and your family is mixed. And so that's fine, whatever. But we we can't seem to find it within ourselves To actually go the extra step and say nothing to do with you, but if there is a choice, it's Mm -hmm. best that the family stays together. I know this first. I'm a divorced guy and uh, from Mm -hmm. my first marriage, I have two children. It would have been a lot better for them if mom and dad were still together. Their life dramatically changed their scars and everything else, which is normal. That doesn't make Mm -hmm. me a bad guy or, you know, or mom, a bad guy, a bad person. It's just that happens sometimes. But we should be able to say, yeah, but that's the goal to get here. How -hmm. come we don't say that? How come that how come why is that gone?
5: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I think the, the first reason you you posited there about, you know, sort of postmodern deconstruction I think that that's that's an example of sort of displaying one's intelligence and in education you know yes. you can only learn an idea like that in an elite university or, or at college right I mean you know ordinary people um, aren't spending their days reading about you know Derrida or Foucault or something like yeah. that right um, and and I think the second reason you said you know this this idea of like you know we don't want to we don't want to make people feel bad um, we don't want to judge people um, yeah, I think there's this, you know, belief that, you know, they're they're downtrodden and we shouldn't make others feel bad and we shouldn't um, you know, sort of elevate ourselves above them um by telling them that certain things, certain behaviors lead to better outcomes than others. Um so yeah, I think on the one hand it makes us feel good to have these, you know, sort of fancy beliefs about postmodernism and then we also don't want to make others feel bad mm-hmm. um, about their lifestyle choices.
1: And a luxury belief would be um the one that uh maybe comes from you understanding postmodernism and understanding uh or is it just at the level of uh, I just don't want to be ostracized and this is what my peers are saying because they went to college and were indoctrinated with this crap I think both of
5: those are are you know sort of key components of of luxury beliefs and you know the way that luxury beliefs Impose costs on others. You know, first, you know, the expression of luxury beliefs require you know learning that sort of complicated vocabulary, and then, you know, on the other hand, uh, the luxury belief of it doesn't matter. You know, things are exactly the same. I don't want to judge. And yeah, I think that there's a there's sort of both of those components at work here, um, so that the outcome is that the person expressing this belief is raising their status while also you know, intentionally or not, creating harm for, for people below them.
1: You, you point something out that I think is so good in, in this. You talk about the um, uh, religion is irrational or harmful. Members of the upper class are likely to be atheists or non-religious, uh, but they have resources and access to thrive without a unifying social edifice of religion. Um, mm-hmm. t- tell me why the upper class is different than the lower class in this. You've talked about it in yeah, your article. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of members of the upper class seem to have a sort of passe attitude towards religion, that, you know, they're, they're non-religious or, you know, atheist or agnostic, and they sort of approach religion from an intellectual standpoint. Um, but they also have, you know, in their own lives, the upper classes tend to have resources and social connections to, to thrive um, without having to rely on their neighbors or their community, you know, the, the sort of people who who are around them. And I think religion sort of provides that like unifying social edifice um, so that people can come together and have a reason to to care for one another. Um, and I, I think that, yeah, denigrating the importance of religion doesn't really harm the rich very much. I think it harms the poor. Mm-hmm. You know, lack of religion can give rise to sort of meaninglessness and feelings of despair, while, whereas the rich... They already have those resources. They already have the access, and oftentimes they find their meaning through, you know, traveling the world or through unusual hobbies
1: or or even their, their work, as you point out. Even their profession, they might have a mm-hmm. profession, but most people have a job, and there's a huge difference. Right? Um, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah,
5: exactly. Most. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I, I only have about uh, forty seconds left. Can you can you just tell me where are we in this trend? I mean you know, fashion clothing goes out of style. Are we at the beginning of this, middle of this? Where are we? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting.
5: I think that um one one sign uh that we may be shifting trends here is the popularity of this article in of itself. Um you know I think that a lot of the things that I point out in that article used to be known as sort of conventional wisdom you know like a two-parent family is good for kids correct i'm um, not sure when that became you know sort of uh, an edgy thing to say but a lot of people now seem to uh resonate with it and agree with it and i think we may be slowly turning the tide such that a lot of people are coming around back to um these more you know sort of typical conventional beliefs they don't feel the need to you know, sort of jump on the bandwagon for the for the latest, you know, bizarre luxury belief.
1: I hope that you are right. Uh, Rob Henderson, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about times gone by. You know, as we're talking about these things, uh, these luxury beliefs, you know, there things used to be a lot simpler. A Coke down at the drugstore cost you a nickel. You want to take your girl out for a movie? you know how much was it it wasn't 75 bucks to go to a movie theater and every flat top wearing dad who ever had a house with a picket fence knew how to work his own car when it broke down how to maintain it those days are long gone there's new technology in your car theoretically to take you to the moon and back so if something breaks if you're like me i mean i'm not i wasn't on apollo 13 uh, and it took a group of people to say, "Okay, what do you have? Here's how we fix it. This is why you should trust Car Shield. In addition to providing 24/7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is in the shop." CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair extremely easy. You can even have your preferred mechanic or dealership do the work. That's a choice most people won't give to you. I want you to call 800-CAR-6000, mention the promo code BEC, or visit carshield.com and use the promo code BEC, and you're going to save 10%. If your car doesn't have a warranty, you need extended coverage. Car Shield is the best. CarShield.com promo code Beck eight hundred car six thousand promo code Beck. Ten seconds, station ID. So I got an interesting uh email from somebody who I haven't talked to in probably six seven years Um, he is very well known I mean he's in the class I think of uh, of a Donald Trump in a way that when you think of business people he he would be one of the names that would pop up into your head like you know Donald Trump I say say you know famous business person Donald Trump Uh, this guy is is in that category and he wrote to me um, out of the blue uh, obviously he was listening to the program and he said, Glenn, Patrick Byrne is insane. And he said, uh <laughs> you don't don't put your trust in Patrick Byrne. This is nuts. It's he's nuts. Uh and uh and just don't believe him. He's the overstock CEO until recently. Right. Mm-hmm. Um You know, Patrick is is really quirky, but so is this guy. So is Donald Trump. People who are like that. So is you know. So is Warren Buffett. He's quirky. Um, these people tend to be quirky, but I don't. I don't see this with Patrick Byrne uh as something I've I've heard Patrick say some crazy things like, hey, Bitcoin's gonna be the future. I know. Crazy, right? When he said it was thirty dollars and now it's what? Eleven thousand? Yeah, that's crazy. Um sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong, but this one makes sense to me. I believe Patrick on this. Do Talk, you you're talking about his uh, claim that there was a deep state that was trying to uh, the uh, there's a, there's a strain of FBI people or Justice Department people, not all of them that he was involved with that uh, were asking him to do things that he didn't understand. He's got a national security clearance. Uh, and then once he saw the Trump investigation and this Russia stuff, he was like, whoa. This is all a setup. And he mentioned it recently because he's saying that Bill Barr is going to clean it up and you're going to know about it soon. And uh, and whether he said that to make sure that Bill Barr and the Justice Department kind of include some of these things or have to respond to it. I don't know. But I believe him. And John Solomon, he is the executive vice president of the Hill. He's an opinion contributor because he's conservative. Uh, But he is a great, great investigative journalist. We're going to talk to him about the Hillary Clinton investigation, which he's been following. And I want to ask him about what does he know about Patrick Byrne in one minute.
2: You're listening to Glenn
1: Beck. Oh, I hate insomnia. I have, for the last couple of days, I just couldn't, I haven't been able to turn my brain off and I have been up till like two o'clock in the morning reading and researching and uh, I hate that. The only thing worse is tossing and turning and not being able to go to sleep because your pillow is hot or your bed is hot and you're sweating and you can't get comfortable. Oh my gosh, I hate that. My pillow is an incredible company and it was built by mike lindell he's the owner and inventor of my pillow and I, I will tell you i i didn't try the my pillow they sent me one and then i tried it and i didn't like it and i was like oh well, i can't do commercials for these guys mike came in and he said you hate it don't you and i said yeah i do and he said you have the wrong one and he told me last night i didn't have to fluff it it stays cool pat said this to me just the other day you know what i really love it stays cool you don't you don't toss and turn all night you want a good night's sleep get a my pillow right now you get a premium pack for 69.99 800 966 3117 use the promo code back and
0: use the promo code glenn for blaze tv.com to get 10 bucks off your subscription join now
1: The man who previously worked at the Associated Press, the Washington Post, the Washington Times, he is an award-winning investigative journalist, and now the executive vice president at the Hill. His name is John Solomon. He is somebody who actually is looking for the truth, and I appreciate uh, his work and his willingness to come on the um, on the program. Welcome, John. How are you?
6: Uh, good. Uh, good to be with you, Glenn.
1: Yeah. So uh, tell me, I want to I want to talk to you about. A couple of things. First of all, the FBI seems to be investigating the Clintons again.
6: Well, uh, that is a good question. The FBI should be investigating the Clintons again, based on the fact that uh, there was a discovery of some highly classified evidence that the FBI never examined as part of its Clinton email server investigation. It's remarkable. We're three years uh, past the close of that investigation. That's a very controversial closed-down case. James Comey, remember all the things that went on with that? Hell yeah. Uh, we, now we learned three years later that there was this highly classified pile of documents, very important information, information that the agents working the case themselves said was going to be important to look at before they made a determination on Hillary Clinton's culpability, and they never looked at it. They looked the other way. Somebody wouldn't allow them to look at that evidence. And so three years later... Thanks to some letters between Senator Grassley, Senators Grassley and Johnson and the Inspector General of the Justice Department, Michael Horowitz, we learned of the existence of these documents and the fact that the FBI never looked at them. And, and what's frustrating is those senators can't get an answer from the Justice Department and FBI. It's the Bar Trump Justice Department has not answered these senators about whether they're going to take a look at this evidence.
1: Why do you suppose that's happening?
6: It's a remarkable thing, the inertia inside bureaucracy, right? And so uh, there is something in these documents that must be remarkably sensitive and perhaps may may cause pressure or questions to reopen the case. And uh, it does not appear the FBI wants to go down that path. But uh, it isn't fair to us in America, and it is an equal justice system, if you don't complete the job you started. We gave Mrs. Clinton a pass during the 2016 election, even though there was broad evidence that she transmitted highly classified information on a private server. She did not get prosecuted then and we find out that uh, a key piece of evidence wasn't examined that always makes us suspicious in the American public.
1: So John, it's not I'm not as concerned about the investigation in the Clintons because I think I know what, you know, I think I know what they are. Sure. <laughs> I am really concerned that we should be investigating the entire Justice Department. Um, I don't think that everybody in the FBI is dirty. I don't think everybody in the Justice Department is dirty. But there are people apparently that are dirty and will move things for political reasons. And that is that's not America. Once we lose trust in our justice system, we become, you know, Mexico or Haiti or whatever.
6: Right. No, it's so integral, and we always expect that wh- whether you're Democrat or Republican, white or black, uh, uh, live in Connecticut or live in Florida, we're all going to be treated the same when the Justice Department looks at us. And over the last few years, we've seen a really strong body of evidence that people got treated differently based on their political connections or their political affiliation, and that troubles the everyday American. I go out when I'm out and about traveling in the real world, people will come up to you and say, you know, it feels like there's two justice systems, one today for the Democrats and Hillary Clinton and the other for Republicans and everyday common man. And I think that perception is deeply troubling and and really cuts at the roots of our our great democracy. And I think Bill Barr has an enormous opportunity to fix this Justice Department, put the people that are so good at it, they're 99% of them are amazing agents and investigators and lawyers, get the 1% out and get this house put back in order so that we can trust the, uh, the legal system.
1: Do you believe Bill Barr is that guy?
6: I think he is. He certainly has uh, the credentials to do it. He has shown early on in the Russia investigation to talk candidly and honestly and not use the euphemisms and the bureaucratic blarney that we heard (laughs) earlier people use in that job. Uh, The real question will come down to, will he really identify the faults? Will he really punish people? Will there be real criminal prosecution? And uh, the next three months are our telling point. We're going to learn from the inspector general just how bad the Russia FISA was, We're going to learn from John Durham just how much spying went on on a political campaign, and then it will be in Bill Barr's corner to decide who does he punish, how does he punish them, how does he fix this, how does he make sure this never happens to another presidential candidate or another American ever again.
1: What does your gut tell you?
6: My gut tells me there will be a lot of shaming. There will be a really honest accounting like we got after 9-11, if you remember all the the mistakes that the FBI made failing to connect the dots before 9-11. There'll be a lot of shaming, a lot of honest discussion about what was wrong, no more of these euphemisms and spin jobs that we've gotten from the Justice Department and FBI. I think the threshold for prosecuting a former FBI agent or an FBI Justice Department official is very high in this, because of the natural inertia in the Justice Department. I don't think that's right, but I, I do think that it, it, it exists. Uh, and we'll, we'll find out, uh, you know, wh- whether the Justice Department is serious if they, they carry out some prosecutions. We know for 15 months now, Andy McCabe has been sitting there, identified having conduct, uh, created, uh, or committed criminality, uh, clearly lied, just like we accused Mike Flynn, just like we've accused Papadopoulos. And in 15 months, he hasn't been uh, charged despite two Trump attorney generals. So when you look at that case, you have to wonder, are are they going to do it? Now, the statute of limitations is coming up on that, and it's going to be judgment time pretty soon. If Andy McCabe gets indicted for lying, just like the other people in the Russia case did, then I think people will feel justice is done. If he walks, this continuing question of two justice departments or two systems of justice is going to persist.
1: And I don't think it's just one for the Republicans and one for uh, for the Democrats. I think it is one for the privileged And then for the rest of everybody else. Um, That's a very good point. um, John, talk to me about the article that you wrote uh, a few days ago, the 10 declassified Russian collusion revelations that could rock Washington this fall.
6: Yep. So uh, behind the scenes, there's been an apparatus that the president has been building. He hasn't unveiled it yet, but it's going to be a special office that's going to declassify and give us true visibility into what really went on in the Russia case from from the beginning origins all the way back to March when George Papadopoulos first met with an academic in Rome, all the way through the uh, end of the Mueller report. And okay, so Hold on, hold on,
1: hold on, hold on, hold on. Sure. Is this a real office or is this a political office?
6: This is a real office. It's going to be empowered with the power of the presidency. And uh, it's going to fulfill the, the very public statement that Donald Trump made that he was going to declassify this information. I think a lot of people thought when he gave the declassification authority to Barr that Barr was going to do this sort of public relations declassification, explain all the documents. He gave that power to Barr so that he could do his investigation. If the CIA, FBI didn't want to give up something, he had the power to go get it, declassify it, and look at it or share it with prosecutors and FBI agents Mm -hmm. working on the case. But for the public, the president has always had a, a different idea in mind, somebody that could tell a story, explain it all in layman's terms, help us understand what happens so it never happens again. That office is being set up, and I would begin to – I believe that in mid-September forward, we're going to see the documents be declassified that we've been waiting for for more than two years. I picked my ten favorite that I know from all the investigators I've talked to are the most transformational and, uh, and they, they range from statements that George Papadopoulos and Carter Page made to FBI informants or on tape, uh, where they were clearly expressing their innocence, and that was not provided to the FISA court, to uh, you know, really basic information like wh- what was in the FISA and what was excluded in the FISA. We still don't know what was in all those redacted pages. There is a significant amount of very important information that will, will really uh, re- rankle Washington in the fall. When these documents uh, get get public, I'll give you one fun one because it just teases the, the imagination. Uh, the House investigators that did the House Intelligence Review, they had 53 interviews of really key people, most of the main players in the investigation. There's a revelation in one of those interviews that the Democratic National Committee was in touch with the CIA. And you have to ask yourself, The CIA has no responsibility on domestic soil. The DNC is a political organization. Why were these two organizations talking? And I think when we get that answer, we'll see just how big a dirty political trick the Russia probe really was. Holy cow.
1: All right. Um, One more question. I had somebody, um, a very well-known, big business person who wrote to me and said, Glenn, Patrick Byrne is out of his mind insane. <laughs> uh, and I know Patrick. He, is, he yep. is different. He thinks differently. He's a libertarian. He um, but I don't think he's dishonest. Uh, have you looked into this stuff with Patrick? Are you hurt anymore? What do you
6: think? I have done a lot of reporting over the weekend after his CNN interview. So what I've learned is that the original material that my my old colleague Sarah Carter, fantastic journalist, one of the best in the country, reported early on about Patrick Byrne is spot on. Those are accurate uh, facts and and that her storyline is the accurate storyline of what Byrne did and didn't do with the FBI and what was going on. There was some soft operation going on now how much he initiated it versus the fbi controlled him is in dispute but i believe the justice department lawyers who interviewed Byrne a few months back found him credible and that his timeline matched the other timelines of things that they're finding in the ongoing investigation i think his more recent comments what i've been told by people who are in the know of the evidence his more recent comments spinning a more elaborate conspiracy of multiple people and the FBI controlling him. I don't think those are going to pan out with the facts, but I do believe there was contact and exchange of information, and the FBI might have been using him as a soft way of probing this Trump Russia uh, collusion theory, which, of course, has fallen apart uh, uh, very clearly before our eyes. But I think it's, those are the sort of revelations we're going to get in these documents in the fall. There were multiple efforts to probe, monitor, spy on the Trump campaign, and we don't know them all. We think we do, but we don't. I don't think we know 70 percent of what really went on in this investigation yet. This fall will be that opportunity for accounting.
1: Boy, oh, boy. I mean, if there's real if, – if people – are actually looking for the truth and it is half of what i think it might be uh Um. we have a we have a, a government or a justice department that is really out of control not all of them just some there's a strain in there that is really out of control
6: I agree. I I talked to this senior Justice Department official who has been in the game, uh, nonpartisan, been in the job 20, 30 years. And he said things that he's seen have shocked his conscience. And he said, I thought I saw everything in my 30 years. I think people are beginning to realize that this was a political operation conducted under the authority of the U.S. intelligence community. That's something we never envisioned as America would happen. And we have to expose it, get it out there punish the bad guys, and then it won't happen again. I think I think that's the, the right recipe for solving what happened here.
1: I think so, too, but I have, I'm have i a different man than I was 20 years ago. I wonder <laughs> okay. I wonder if anyone really will be punished. Um, I have
6: the same concern. We'll yeah. have to wait and see. Yep. Yep. I think that's a real legitimate concern.
1: John Solomon, thank you so much. Executive Vice President of The it's Hill. Fun. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Isn't it nice to talk to somebody who is... Who's actually doing their job and, you know, is not swaying it one way or another, just telling you the truth. Following the facts where they go? Yeah. uh, It's rare. Theoretically
0: what journalism was supposed to be at one point.
1: Yeah. Let me tell you about Norton's secure VPN. When you're using it, it is uh, like you're in one of those medieval European castles, you know, with the moat and the drawbridge and everything else the idea of the moat and the draw and the drawbridge is that there's only one way to get in or out of the castle and it's heavily guarded uh, and nobody nefarious you can make all kinds of plans but you're not getting in that's what norton vpn is to cyber criminals when you are online you are protected against any kind of invaders that want to come into your castle You know the name Norton. You know that it's the premier name in Internet security. Well, Norton Secure VPN or virtual private network will secure your Wi-Fi connections and keep the prying eyes, the bad guys, away from your uh, information. It also stops, you know, and I increasingly every day, I think the bad guys are at Facebook and and Google and, and a lot of these organizations. They are just taking your information. They're spying on you. Uh, and you know that leads to manipulation. Eventually, this will stop that Norton Secure VPN. You can browse privately, secure your connections today. Just go to Norton.com/vpn. Norton.com/vpn. Protection starts at three thirty-three a month for the first year with annual enrollment. It's Norton.com/vpn. Terms do apply.
2: You're listening. To Glenn Beck.
1: This is the Glenn Beck Program. Coming
0: Welcome. December 7th in Salt Lake City, Utah, Kingsbury Hall. Christmas stories with Glenn Beck. You can get your tickets. Uh, two left.
1: so important for you to understand that every single story is the God's honest truth.
0: <laughs> you will not believe that when the show is over. Yeah, but it's uh, true. But it
1: true. Stu, Stu is, mm-hmm. Stu, you know, Stu, he calls me out every time I exaggerate or don't get things right. 100% true. It is true. These These stories actually happened.
0: Uh, and, uh, you can find out about, about the tickets at glenbeck.com They've got a few VIP tickets left and uh, a bunch of tickets you can pick up now.
1: All right, I want to play Jen Rubin. Uh, you know, of course, she's she's a great GOP person. She's no, she's so Republican.
0: Oh gosh, so because they always say the conservative columnist she's Jen Rubin not I mean, conservative. Come on,
1: how are you even she's trying that cons- at this point? Here she is. Listen to this, Jen Rubin.
4: What we should be doing is shunning these people. Shunning shaming these people is a statement of moral indignation that these people are not fit for polite society. I think any institution in University of Virginia, for example, for a bit had a relationship with Mark Short, who is now back with the administration. I think it's absolutely abhorrent that any institution of higher learning, any um, news organization or any uh, entertainment organization that has a news outlet would hire these people. It's not only that Trump has to lose, but that all his enablers have to lose. They have to. We have to collectively, in essence, burn down the Republican Party. Um, we have to level them, because if there are survivors, if there are people who
1: weather this storm... Hey, hang on just a second, be- hang on. So what she's saying here, I've heard it before, and I just want to point it out. Could, could we play this audio? Same thing.
0: There will be no survivor! No? Not yet. My Mm -hmm. men are here. I'm here,
3: but soon you will not Not be here. (laughs)
1: No, I mean, Jen, get a new routine. Yeah, I mean we're gonna burn down, and there will be no survivors. No, it's a credible no it's a it's a credible point of view uh, if I disagree with you I should shun you and no one should ever hire you again